0: I'm James Pikeaway. I'm Paul Kelly. I'm Fessel, And this is the Know Your Audience Micro Mini Podcast. And in this episode, we're talking Market Research 101 because up to this point, we have had a wonderful conversation about AI, how we can get better insights on our audiences, how we can understand what's going on with our audience sentiment, And I think, Paul, there's a little bridge we need to make between all of these tools and what we're actually using them for.
1: Yeah, that's right, James. I think, um, you know, we've talked about AI, I guess, and and like you said about how, How the technology and how technology actually works in our everyday life, and that was a great episode we had with Diego a couple of episodes back, where we talked about what natural language processing is. Over time, we've talked about also the importance of understanding and knowing your audience. It's the name of the podcast. Um, but we, yeah, we, when we had a chat about this, it was we thought it was time to bring up probably something that we hadn't talked about before, and exactly what is actual market research. So coming in at episode whatever it is, twelve or fifteen or. Hundred and thirty. Um, we're bringing we're bringing in the topic about actually knowing your audience, and um, who better to, than to bring in an expert in Faisal?
0: Faisal, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. And as Paul has said we've really talked around this whole idea of market research without really elaborating on what is market research. And it it, it is quite a, a large area of conversation. And I get the sense that a lot of people use the words market and research, but maybe are not really clear what it is they're talking about. So we thought market research 101, Faisal is in the building, Let's ask him some questions to help enlighten us. So, Faisal, I want to kick it off with when you hear the words market and research and they're put together, what are we talking about? What is market research?
2: Thanks for having me over, James. Uh, market research, like you said, is a, is a complex subject. It's a large subject. Uh, and it's often interchangeably used with, let's say, marketing research. So, but if you get into the technicalities, they're actually both different and one follows the other. So market research is, like the name, is quite intuitive. It is the understanding of the market, the consumers living in the market, and uh, marketing research almost follows market research, but is used interchangeably, is any understanding, typically of consumers, that has an implication on the marketing elements. For instance, the four Ps, the price, price, promotion, placement. So any decision that you need to take on these marketing elements, you need uh, knowledge of consumers you need to see how they're responding to the market and these decisions can be taken based on that information so simply put it is the understanding of the market and consumers living in the market and how they're thinking what they're doing and why they're doing so that's this that's summarizing a complex subject
0: so are there any limitations to market research like is there anyone who wouldn't use market research who's who who are the users of this market research is relevant to any brand to any
2: brand, however, in whichever life cycle or whichever stage of the life cycle it is in. So even if it's an introductory from a new brand that's launching, I would want to understand the market, who my target audience is, how do I, uh, what are the, uh, what works in this market. So I might be a brand that's sitting in the West coming to the Middle East. The consumers are here different. So the strategies that are working in the West may not necessarily work here, right? Or uh, even if I'm a mature brand, uh, let's say Nikes of the world, it's actually much more difficult to, to be relevant always and move ahead with time than actually an introductory brand. So a Nike years old brand constantly struggles to be relevant today. And it needs information or an understanding of consumers to be able to kind of resonate as they kind of progress or if there are business issues that need to be addressed. Uh, You would have read the news a couple of days back. Netflix has suddenly lost a lot of subscription, a lot of financial loss. Uh, They'd be very interested, for example, at this point of time, that what's going on? You know, how do I win back my uh, consumers? There's something. And and I'm guessing they just came by surprise. They're not sure what suddenly hit them. And they'd want to know what is really running. And the consumer's mind is not easy to understand.
0: (laughs) So, Faisal, let's let's jump on the Netflix idea for a second. And and pick your brain a little bit, if we're talking market research and we're talking Netflix at this moment, what might this look like in market research terms, what they might be doing in a practical sense?
2: So what we call this is uh, lapsing. So uh, lapsing is basically a consumer behavior where you start seeing a decline or a loss of shares. And this could be true for any brand. And it typically happens when there's a larger societal change. So there's a larger societal change where there are some kind of trends that are changing, uh, consumer preferences are changing or evolving in in a certain direction. And the lack of understanding that often leads to lapsing from consumers. And that could be for a product, or in this case, uh, Netflix. There could be multiple reasons for it. And market research kind of fits in here because it helps you say these are reasons. It'll come back and sharply tell you these are the top four reasons In hierarchy, saying one, two, three, four, these are the reasons. It could be how the competition is changing. It could be content related. It just could be that uh, you just a matter of chance where in the COVID world, your subscriptions are increasing. They're going back to normal behaviors, and hence your numbers are going to pre-COVID numbers. Or uh, it could be something else. But it gives you clear answers to these are the four or five reasons in hierarchy, and hence what do you do about it.
0: So, if we've got these these benefits, like mean, there's clear in that in that example, there are clear benefits to doing market research. What are the challenges they face in getting the data or getting the insight
1: to try and answer the, those questions? And I, and just on top of that. <laughs> before you answer that, I think it's also worth um, maybe having a look and maybe Faisal just taking us over the, the different types of market research from like the qualitative side versus the quantitative side and just what those differences are, because I think that would help answer James's question as well, if I'm not mistaken.
2: There are two broad pillars of market research, uh, which they call as quantitative research and qualitative research.
1: I'll just give you a very quick uh Historical
2: context, I won't take too much time on it, but market research kind of dates back to 100 years, approximately, uh, when this gentleman called uh, Daniel Starch, he kind of uh, had a hypothesis that an advertisement is successful only when people understand it, believe it, and act upon it. Till then they were just creating advertisements without knowing whether it's successful or not. And that's when they that's when the introduction of what Paul was mentioning, quantitative research, where they realized that I need to go out and talk to people and understand how many people are understanding this advertisement, how many people are believing in it and have acted upon it for me to know whether my advertisement was successful or not. And for the first 20, 30 years of market research, it was all about quantitative research. I got the what's I, got, uh, I met a larger proportion of people. But when it got interesting, when market research got really interesting is uh, post-World War II, where there was an American economic boom, consumerism, consumptionism was on the rise, uh, especially in the American society. And there was brands fighting, and the radio can, became a big channel. And there were brands fighting for kind of share. That's where brands realized they need to understand the whys. That's where qualitative research... Came into action because it was extremely important not to know how many people or the what's but the consumer motivations and qualitative research helped you do that so qualitative research is literally like we're having a discussion right now a conversation right now and you're trying to understand what is market research i would go out or people would go out have what they call this in-depth interviews or focus group discussions to understand their behaviors and the motivations behind their behaviors and Market research hasn't changed since then, right? And this has been a big industry. We haven't really moved with times. These two pillars since the World War have actually been still as strong pillars, Uh, but quantitative research kind of gives you uh, larger scale responses, Uh, the width of responses. they're, they're, They're numbers. They're quantitative numbers, whereas qualitative numbers are words. They help you understand the whys. So in in the Netflix example, for example, if I were to do, I might do a combination of both where I might come and tell you one, two, three are the issues. But to understand issue number one better, let's say, I need to have in-depth discussions to understand what's really going on in the mind of the consumer. So quantitative has helped me identify the issue, the top issue. But for that better understanding, I might have to meet Certain people, a shorter sample, it could be as small as 10 people, 15 people just to get a better in-depth understanding of what's really the consumer psyche behind what's really driving the issue number one. And you kind of then based on that, create a strategy.
0: So when we look at the fact that we've we've got this longevity of using qualitative and quantitative research tools, the challenges then are the way we're ultimately gathering this information has changed in that there are more channels to gather the information from as opposed to what we had and even even 10 years ago.
2: Yes and no. Yes, I would say because uh, it has changed. There are new ways of doing things. No, because it hasn't changed the way we would have liked it to change, at least a few years back. Uh, I was just giving you an example of, I mean, I'm talking about 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. The core, and and there's a reason we, so the the agencies or the organizations do this market research, qualitative or quantitative research, are called market research agencies. But today they're called traditional market research agencies, and not necessarily qualified with the word traditional in the in in, in a <laughs> uh, in the right sense. It's actually because they haven't been able to really move times. So, for example, if I give you an example of another industry, marketing, which is which kind of works in tandem with us, marketing and marketing technology or digital marketing has moved at a much faster pace, or has been more relevant with the times. So today, there is a clear important space that let's say digital marketing enjoys, and they have moved away from let's say mass communication in many ways. Some organizations just to digital marketing and not mass communication. So that's an industry that's really moved. With times has leveraged technology, so market research, like I was saying, yes and no. Yes, because it has started using the basics, uh, at least till a few years back. So yeah, you can collect data online. You can so instead of meeting people in a room of eight people, uh, doing a focus group discussion, you can ask them and invite them to come on a Zoom. Uh, is that really technology? Uh, yes, in some ways, but it's 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 just at best in my mind minor tweaks. It's only now in the last few years where they have really been able to kind of, and these are the, the, the so-called, uh, you know, uh, smaller agencies or who are really, who are really taking, willing to take the risk, but it's just that the bigger agencies have just not been able to disconnect themselves with the traditional. This has become too big
1: to really transform themselves and adopt technology. And I think just on that, I, and things not changing and, in some industries, I mean, marketing kind of had to change in a lot of ways because the consumer so rapidly changed that marketing's on the front end of everything, right, like budgets. <laughs> so, you know, like often a CFO won't see the benefit of marketing because they'll they'll put more um, focus on uh, promotion, for example, so cutting the price or, or value-adding or, or that type of stuff. Um, so, so I think marketers probably have come at it with a much – more open mind, I guess, but also um, one thing that's always really got me um, about market research, and I'm not, I'm not, I, I think it's got a very, very strong place in a number of areas. But for some things, asking people uh, what they think about something is inherently flawed. Um, act action, you know, if you sort of go back to a lot of work that's been done over, I mean, tons of work that's been done over, say, the last thirty years on on behavioral science, particularly, um, and particularly around, I guess, um, thought systems and whether you buy into that or not, it it, it is true that, you know, we do have, um, I guess, our automatic or system one type behavior, which we've covered, I think, in another episode before. And then you've got your very deliberate act and deliberate thinking. And and when somebody asks you a question, you're being very deliberate about it. And you've got biases as well. 100%,
2: 100%. I mean, that's a very valid point, Paul. And that's a challenge that the industry has realized. And uh, it's high time that they question the uh, uh so-called claimed responses. I mean, if I ask you right now, if I ask you or consumers that, what toothpaste do you buy? They might say, okay, I buy a Sensodyne. Uh, Why do you buy it? It's not easy to articulate it, right? And they're almost put in a spot and they will give you answers that are manufactured, that uh, that may not necessarily be conveying what's really running, you know, or what are the underlying motivations. It's difficult to articulate some things. And it's not only about difficulty in articulation, also a lot of claimed responses because you're heavily relying on memory again if i'm doing a study to understand a cooking behavior uh, i might go and ask someone okay when was the last time you cooked i don't know uh, used uh, cheese in a as an ingredient to a cooking recipe uh, they'll tell you uh, they'll approximate it and say a week back and what was the recipe look like what was the quantities you used it's it's it. it you're relying too much on claimed responses and That may not necessarily give you accurate information. So, it's the more we are not the more we stop asking people, and the more we start getting our responses through either natural conversations that are people happening in real time or observatory methods is the way to go. And that's where the future is sitting, and that's where you'll get information that's
1: useful. And also, I think on that as well, what I mean, people don't intentionally lie we just have our biases and also you know so firstly I might ask you about something about a social topic um, like the environment or something like that um, and it's, it's 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 very not uh, I guess uh, mainstream to say that you might not care so you might ask me about you know when I go shopping when you go shopping do you use plastic bags and you know if I think you want to hear um, me say that no you know, like you're not going to listen to me. Go, I don't care. I just want the most convenient way of getting my groceries in my trolley. Um, I think that you might not want to hear that, right? That, and so I, 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 I change my answer. Now that's not that's not a deliberate process. That's just a, a, what's called a social desirability bias. Um, and we we change our we change our reasonings because as humans we have to have a reason for everything, um, rather than just sort of saying the truth. <laughs> We, we post-rationalize our decisions. We post-rationalize everything. And then that affects our memory. Um, and there's there's some great studies around about all of this. And also the way it's also can go back to, and Faisal would probably agree, about the question that's asked. Um, and I know there's a really famous one that I think we've covered before, but I'll say it again anyway, which was about when Coca-Cola changed their formula in the 80s. Um, do you remember that? Yeah. And so they basically came out with New Coke. They asked people, do you like it? They said yes. They went, so based on that testing, they went to market with it. Um, and then uh, it, it, it flopped. Now, when they actually went back and looked at all of this again, the question they should have asked was, We're going to take away the Coca Cola that you have right now and replace it with this. <laughs> Would you buy it? And the answer was 98% no. Um, and that was the question that should have been asked. But instead, it was like, Do you like this without, without, any other thing. And that, that had a massive consequence on, on Coca-Cola's sales, but also PR, the crisis. Now they, they're big enough to bounce back, of course. So it wasn't the end of Coca-Cola, but those types of things happen more regularly than than one would assume, but perhaps we just don't hear about it because it's not the magnitude of Coca-Cola. But there's a whole system there of it's not just the person you're asking. It's also the person asking the question um, is, is trying to find the answer to something um, so I'm I'm trying to find the outcome in something rather than sort of letting the outcome come to me and go oh okay, it's more like well I want to know if these people want like the taste of this drink instead of going you know instead of thinking through the various scenarios so I think that's another area that you know hasn't really evolved.
2: The biggest lie that's been told to us or what we as humans believe is that we are rational. <laughs> so there's this entire concept around. Uh, system one and system two that your brains divide into two parts one is kind of uh, is attentive thinks through decisions and one is quick to respond right and kind of acts very uh, subconsciously and it's 95 of the percent decisions and this is proved there is no it's, it's, it's scientifically proved that 95 of the percent decisions we take are impulsive are quick are irrational in nature you know and we like to believe that uh, we are rational and we have thought through a decision you know the brands we buy the car we buy the house we live in our everyday life decisions our career options etc we think that we really thought through them but trust me we haven't you know these are all outcomes of irrational and there's this uh, entire you know multiple books around uh, cognitive behavior psychology etc and that's where market research becomes extremely relevant and that's where also this Because you're irrational, it doesn't make sense asking questions because when I'm going to ask you, you are going to give me a rational response. And that is, trust me, not the motivation of the decisions you've really taken. It was an irrational uh, thought process. And to uncover that thought process or to understand the irrationality behind the decisions you've taken, you, uh, you have to steer away from asking people what they did and start just observing what they're doing, what they're talking about.
1: I think a great example of that is also post-rationalization. So we make a decision and then afterwards, like, look at the reasons for it. And a big one is like, oh, that was a good learning or something like that. Like, no, it's, it's not. <laughs> it was a you good know?
0: learning experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I learned it's a not. lot. <laughs>
1: you just Yeah, that's just a post-rationalization. Like, every experience is a learning experience because there's a decision being made um whether whether you repeat that or not is obviously you know depends on the severity of the outcome um but you know uh, ask anybody you know it, it, i'm sure any listener to us right now would would think think of something decision they've made where they've looked back after that decision and gone you know oh, that was a good learning experience or they tried to rationalize it another way by going like Oh, i meant for that to happen or you know and usually that's around like things like investment decisions like poor investment decisions particularly and and things like that, we we tend to um, try and find a reason for things rather than it was just a decision that you made. And decisions are irrational, we're super irrational, and trying to rationalize everything is just the, a folly of our our um, being as I guess as intelligent um, intelligent beings is, is that we constantly search for answers to things where there's not necessarily an answer to the reason why you picked up the cornflakes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There could have been a multitude of factors that was like, I just want a box of cornflakes. There's no reason for it. Um, so, yeah. Let me try and bring this
0: this this conversation together a little bit, because I think it leads nicely into where we're going to go in our next podcast. And in listening to what you've been saying, Faisal, and listening to what you've had added to this, Paul, when we talk about market research, we've got a, an area of study that is, that has a nice long history of working in qualitative and quantitative manners. And we've got this nice history. That's, that's really fundamentally based on this idea that we're rational thinking human beings, which we're not. And ultimately, as we leave this conversation, anyone who's listening to this is going to say, we're working in a way and we're using these methodological tools that are flawed. And they're flawed, yet we keep using them, which ultimately could suggest that the insights we're gleaning from our research tools are not really giving us the insight we need to make better decisions. Uh, it, Paul, would you say that's that kind of pulls it together, what we've talked about so far here?
1: Yes. And I think just to add to that, we, we know a lot more than we did... At- during the time of World War Two, and that's largely why we've avoided world conflicts since then. Um, that's, that said, um, you know some industries move move with time, some don't, and, and some some of the flaws that we know about in, within market research have luckily been addressed by technology over the last few years. And there's an enormous opportunity to understand people better and. As consumers, we should be embracing that because it means that we we get things that we actually want. Um, We're not disappointed by things. You know, how many times have you bought something and just gone, that didn't live up to the expectation that I had for that particular product or, or whatever it is. If we can better suit if we can better match products with consumers, then everybody kind of wins um, in a lot of ways. And we understand more about ourselves and everything like that. Um, So that's what's really interesting about technology and it'd be great to, to have a chat
0: about that in the next episode. And that's exactly what we're gonna do because while we've painted a picture that one could listen to and say, this is bleak days, There are solutions, there are possibilities, and that's what this podcast series is all about. And we're gonna pick that up in our next podcast. What are the possibilities for getting better insights on your audiences through technology and using our our traditional tools, putting them together? That's where we're gonna go. This has been a lot of fun, guys. I really enjoyed it. And I, I feel like I've I've got a whole new level of understanding of market research. I'm James Pikeway. I'm Paul Kelly. Fessel. And you've been listening to the Know Your Audience Micro Mini Podcast.